We are in Genesis chapter 18 and Genesis chapter 22. We've looked at two patterns in the Word. The first one is when people had ignorance and revelation came to them. Generally, we always saw that that revelation produced some kind of imperfection or a feeling of inadequacy on the part of the person who received the revelation. And then God sent a renewal to fix that that they perceived as being too weak. There was a second one that we did uh, notice and didn't spend any time on yet, but we did notice with the, in the first time we, that we were looking at them with uh, Isaiah and with Jeremiah, and that is the inquiry where God would be asking something. There's a response from the people he asked. There is instruction given. And then we see the reception of those instructions. Last week we were looking at uh, Abraham's life and when the baby was promised and when he came. Of course, how Abraham laughed at first. And then Sarah also, she laughed. The most important thing was to get Abraham in faith. Sarah, though not unimportant, God always worked through one person. And whoever that one person was, that was the one that needed to be in faith. So that to understand more of the will of God, you have to act on what you do understand. So there's something that you do understand. Operate on that. Not understanding how God will do something should not prevent you when you do understand what. Many times people don't proceed because I don't understand how God will do this. That cannot keep us from it. You do not have to understand the how. As long as you understand the what you are supposed to do, then put it to work. You'll get the rest of it later. There are many cases in the Word where people used I don't understand how as an excuse and it was uh, it's not received too well. And then we made a note at the end until we become content in knowing What God has revealed to us and walk in it by faith, we will not advance to the next stage. Now here in Genesis chapter 18, verse 16, Then the men arose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. This is after they had dealt with with Abraham. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Notice the future tense in which it is spoken to Abraham. Whereas up to this point, God has said, has been saying, I have made you. It was, it was in the past tense. I have made you a father of many nations. But here we're seeing that this is God speaking. This is not Abraham speaking. This is God speaking. And God is saying, let's read it again. Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. We noted that there are many things in our life, spiritually, that we refer to as past tense. I am healed. I am made righteous. And we look at these things as being past tense. But do understand that even in God's viewpoint, though these things are done in the past tense, 
there is still a future tense even with God. He realizes that there is a future tense in which more will be done. And here he speaks of that with Abraham. He's been trying to get Abraham to see you are a father of many nations. You are blessed. I have blessed you. All these, all these things. And now the Lord speaks to him this way. Since Abraham shall surely become a great mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now God says I have known him in order that he may command his children. It was extremely important that the person that God have for this role was one that would teach their children. And he said, Abraham will do that. I know that Abraham will, will accomplish that. So he, one of, the probably, one of the reasons that God had said this, all the nations shall be blessed in him. That means they're not blessed yet, but they shall be. They shall be blessed in him. Now Abraham here we're going to see that Abraham is going to make an inquiry of God. That's not necessarily the pattern that we're, we're looking to study, but it's here, so we're just going to spend some time on it. And, and God has said these things to Abraham. Shall I hide from Abraham? So he's going to reveal it to him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done it altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know it. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that were in it? So Abraham is making an inquiry of God. He's asking God some questions on this. He's, God has stated his will in regards to Sodom and Gomorrah. My will is this. If it is as bad as I have heard it to be, then when I get there and see this thing firsthand, if it is as bad, I'm going to destroy it. That's my will. That's the stated will. So Abraham is in, making inquiry to find out about this will. He learns some things about it he doesn't know. We can ask God questions about his will and not be in doubt and unbelief. This is not a doubt and unbelief question. This is a question that assumes that God is going to do what he is going to do and that God is able to do what he has said he is going to do. We're just fine trying to find out, is your will set so much that if there are 50 righteous people in the city, will you still destroy it? Verse 24. 25, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. So he says, from what I know of you so far, you would not judge the righteous with the wicked. So the Lord said, if I find Sodom, in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 
There were five less than the fifty righteous. Would you destroy all of the city for lack of five? So he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose there should be forty found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of the forty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Indeed, now I've taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the twenty. Then he said, Let not the Lord my be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Notice the Lord does not leave until Abraham is finished speaking to him. And as much, whenever Abraham speaks to the Lord and asks him a question in this area, he stands there and he listens and he answers them. He listens to what Abraham asks. Doesn't get upset. Doesn't get angry. He hears what Abraham has to say and he responds to him. And Abraham got the will of God from, I'm going down. If the place is bad, I'm going to destroy it. To, I won't destroy it for 50, I won't destroy it for 45, I won't destroy it for 40, I won't destroy it for 30, I won't destroy it for 20, I won't destroy it for 10. And then he stopped. We'll never know, I guess, until we get to heaven, if he would have gone down to 5. What would have happened? We'll have to wait till we, till we get there. There may have been a point that God would have said, uh, no, <laughs> for that I would destroy it. And it's, it's not like he, God can't say no to any of these. He's just asking, would you do this? And he says, no, I won't do it. If I go down, if I find ten righteous, then I won't destroy the city. Apparently, he didn't find ten righteous. And there's only two, four, six that he commissioned to leave. So that's six. So that's four short. Of that, we don't know if all of them were were righteous. Uh, we know Lot was. Um, not sure about his wife. Seems like she she may have been. And then you also had the uh, the uh, uh, children and the spouses. And not sure about the spouses. Probably the children. We don't know. But anyway, those six were commissioned to go out so that they wouldn't be destroyed, and God would hold on to what he had said to Abraham here. So this was an inquiry that God had made of him. But most of the time that we, well, when we see this pattern that we're going to look at here, God starts the inquiry. God starts the conversation. Abraham, in a way, started this one. God started it by saying, all right, I'm not going to hide from Abraham what I'm going to do. So he tells him what he's going to do. And then Abraham responds to what God said. But he's the, Abraham is the one who started the conversation about sparing the city. And that's what we have the rest of 18. Now you can go and read the rest of it. We're going to skip over the birth of Isaac. It's not that that's not important, but we're not going to see the pattern that we want to see here. Genesis 22 and verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Boy, if you ever want to preach a message on Genesis chapter 22, you could simply use the title, Here I Am. Because Abraham, three times in this chapter, is called upon and he says, Here I am. 
We have it here with God. We have it with His Son. And He says the exact same thing. Here I am. And then God later on says it again. And we have here I am. God also sends it, calls Him a fourth time. We don't really have the call or the response. But I wonder if we get to heaven and watch the videotape, if we find out that God called His name, He said fourth time, here I am. That seems to be the thing that He, he likes to say in these matters. But now it came to pass after these things, and that's the things of chapter 21, 20, and 19, that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now, it seems, this is, this is our first in this new pattern here. God is making an inquiry. The inquiry is simply Abraham. It seems like God sometimes just calls to see if we're available. If you go over in the, in the Old Testament, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples. You can go through and figure out more. But in the Old Testament, he goes, Moses, Moses. He said it twice for him. Uh, later on, we find out he calls out Samuel. No other instructions, just Samuel. Now, it took until the fourth time until Samuel understood what was going on and that he responded. But he wasn't negative. He just uh, didn't know who was calling him. And so we just had Samuel. There's no instruction. It's just Samuel. Other times, there's a little bit more. John is told in Revelation, and we just read over this in our, in our reading, come up here. Well, that's a little bit more than just calling out his name. In the, in the uh, tale with Isaiah, whom shall I send? There was a little bit more than just calling his name, but he was already there in the presence of God. But... Just calling out Abraham's name is an inquiry. God has seen, are you available? And he says to him, here I am. Now one thing, I put this in your outline for you, you can fill this out. One thing seems certain. When God starts the discussion, big things are ahead. You find out in the Word of God, when God starts the discussion... Big things are ahead. Here God only says Abraham, but he responds positively. Now I made a note on this, and I haven't come up with any yet. Has anyone recorded in Scripture? I'm sure that people have. I'm wondering, has anyone recorded in Scripture responded negatively? You can find people who responded negatively to the first pattern. I'm talking about the second pattern. This one here. And um, I haven't come up with one definitively yet. I'm still mulling around a little bit, but I'll, I'll just leave you that note, little note. But when someone calls you, your answer may be the same. Yes? What? Here I am? But your tone and attitude make a big difference. If you call down to your spouse, you call down to a parent, you call down to a child, and you say to that child, you, you call their name, Abraham. And you hear, what? Now that's the same word, but that's conveying a whole lot more things. Doesn't that change your response? If you hear that. If you hear the response, what? It, it, you, you may be more um, you, you like that response more. 
but you get a harsh response, but a harsh tone back. That can say a lot. God hears our tone. He knows the tone in our heart. When He calls out to us, if we just don't respond, we aren't listening to Him, or we respond with such a way that we're angry or annoyed, well, that's going to convey some things to Him, and He may not go on beyond that. He may just, all right, you don't want to hear? We just won't say it. Now, have you ever seen this happen with, with some kids? You know, the mom calls out and the child responds back, What? And then nothing comes. And it's like the child realizes, Oh, man, I blew it on this one. <laughs> and so then the child makes haste to go from where they were all the way up to mom. Yes, mom. <laughs> but you see, the damage was done, wasn't it? Yeah, we had that, that attitude came out there. So when God inquires of us, are we annoyed? Are we angry? Are we available? Are we joyful? Are we ready? Perplexed? How about, wait just a minute. How responsive are we to God's call will determine the rest of what He speaks. And as we look at the pattern here that we have, we have the inquiry and we have the response or the responsiveness. You can write it in there either way. When God makes the inquiry, He's looking to see how responsive are we. Are we responsive in that we are open? Are we responsive in that I am ready? Are we responsive in God, whatever you ask of me, I'm ready to do it? Or are we apprehensive? God, why are you calling on me? What's, what's going on here? Because from here on out, the ones that responded positively, the ones that we have recorded in Scripture, there's instruction. We have the instruction that will come to them. And then after that, we have the reception that they have to that instruction. And that's very important to God. What is the reception that they have to God? How responsive are we to God's call will determine the rest of what he speaks. Verse 2. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, a couple of things about this statement that God makes. Take now your son, your only son Isaac. Is Isaac his only son? It is not. Is Isaac supposed to be his only son? Yes. They made their own plans and they got an Ishmael out of it. But that was not God's plan. When we come back into here, it is not that God ignores Ishmael because he's, he speaks a blessing on him. But right now, all we are looking at is what is being done in the eyes of this, this blessing. And God says, that was a flesh child. I'm looking at this one. This is your only faith child. It was supposed to be his only child, period. But it's not. But it is his only faith child. This is the one that we're dealing with. Take now... Your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. He doesn't know which one yet. He's got to make the land, he's got to make the trip. He's got to get going. Now, 
he knows the land. I imagine he knows the land of Moriah and how far away it is. It then turns out to be a three-day journey. Now, the verse 2 here, it's only the start. This is probably not the only instructions that he received. It is the only instructions we have recorded. But as we go through the story, we're going to see he does some things that seem to come from instruction that we don't have. As God said, I will show you the mountain. We never have that God showed him the mountain, but we have that Abraham saw it. So somewhere God gave him some instruction. This is the one that you're looking for. This is the one that I want to take you to. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So he, he starts off early in the morning. This is the son for whom the promise is to come. This is the son he's been waiting for for a long time. And he's older now. We've had him for a few years. There's been no other babies born. This is still it. And God says, I want you to take the baby out. And I want you to kill him. Now, most of us, if we heard that, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. We're, I'm not receiving that. That's not God. God, it took all these years to get to this place. Come on. But again, this is the second pattern. This pattern, not everybody in the Word of God comes to. God made the inquiry. Abraham. And God calls you. He's trying to see if you're available. He says, here I am. And then he gives him the instruction. So now we see how receptive is he to the instruction. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. He's making preparations here. Rises up early in the morning. Let's get going. God wants us to do this. He doesn't wait until next week. He does it now. He split the wood for the burnt offering. They're not going to get there to the mountain and not have wood to make the offering. I'm going to split the wood here and take it with me. How many of you could be tempted to think, I'm sure there's wood there? I'm sure there'll be some wood there. You don't have to mess with that. Abraham says, nothing's going to stop me from doing what God said. If I need wood, I'm going to make sure I have it and I'm going to bring it. So he brings it along. And he rose and went to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham hastens to obey, as we said. <clears throat> then, on, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Only one reason I can think of to keep these guys back. Abraham knows what God has asked him to do. And I'll bet you if he's got other people around, they're not quite on the same page that Abraham is. Hey, Abraham, what are you doing? Don't be killing that boy. Why are, you put, why are you building this sacrifice and tying your son up and putting him on there and then raising the knife? They'd be stopping him. Can't have that. We are a long way off. We are far enough off that if we stop here and these guys stay, they will not be able to see what I am doing. Therefore, no one will stop me from accomplishing this. I think that's why it's recorded and told us here in Scripture. Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to, to you. Now, why did they bring the donkey? 
They brought the donkey to carry stuff so that they don't have to. The donkey was carrying the wood. The donkey was carrying the supplies. And so if the donkey is staying there, who's carrying the stuff? Well, they are. Well, it's not a short distance. It says a long way off. How many of you get your arms tired carrying the groceries from the store to where you parked the car? Now, why you got those nice little tiny cars? You can park those nice little tiny cars real close to the, to the door. I got a big old car. I don't get to close, park close to the door. I never get to park close to the door. I always got to park out in the, the back end of the parking lot because I got to make sure I can get out. So I got a longer distance in, in there. But uh, that's still not as far. That's not a long way. We're talking long way. In fact, you can remember back in the days when we used to shop at the malls. <laughs> Still shop at the malls, I guess. But remember Christmas at the malls? And you remember the Christmas lots? They're, they're still there. They just don't use them anymore. You know, they got other things on them. At least the one up by us. They have other things on them. But we used to have these Christmas lots, and they're great places to teach kids how to drive cars. We go out to the Christmas lots because it's off from the rest of the lot, kind of separated by itself. And really, they only fill up at Christmas time. And if you're out in those lots, you get out in those, you got a long way to walk from that lot to get into the mall. And then you're going to be carrying stuff. You're going to go from the mall all the way out to those Christmas lots. That's a long way to go. That's not as far as Abraham is going. And he's carrying wood and he's carrying uh, stuff that he needs for this sacrifice. And now they're carrying on them themselves. So they got a long way to go. We got to carry these things. I mean, why not just take the donkey? And why not just have him do all the, the work? The donkey hasn't complained so far. But he goes three days of travel. Now, again, he probably knew how far away that was. But can you imagine yourself? If you had been told by God, God, I want you to do this, and it's a three-day journey. That means you've got to bring enough food for three days. You go in there three days and coming back three days. How many want to bet that there's probably some bad weather that probably happens somewhere in that six-day period? And you've got to be setting up tents or whatever it is that you're going to sleep in. So you've got to go one day, set up a tent, get, make camp, and then break camp the next day. And then walk another day, day's journey, set up camp. You gotta be stopping every once in a while, starting up a fire, making, um, making the food, and then moving on to the next. That's not easy to do. There's no McDonald's, there's no, uh, Burger King, or whatever else that you want to stop at to pick up some food. You gotta make it yourself. Maybe they had some, some stuff that they could just pull out of their pocket, like jerky or something like that. Uh, I don't know. But there's a, it's a lot of work to go three days out here and three days back. I mean, why can't we pick one of the closer mountains? Why do we have to do this one? But I want you to see what, you, what you're seeing from Abraham here. We don't have any questions. Abraham before was always asking questions. How come I don't have a son? How come this hasn't happened this way? How come it is going? How come the land has no more food? How come there's a famine? How come I can't go down to Egypt and be happy there? We got all kinds of things he's coming up with. But here, he just goes. God said to do it. I wonder if along the way, what kind of hardships you might have had. 
What if he found some uh, unsavory people on that three-day journey? Because this, th- this land is filled with heathen. Idol-worshipping heathen. And here comes Abraham. And he's not coming with a whole lot. He's got the two servants. He's got the donkey, him and his son. You've got a band of bandits. They could probably take this group pretty, pretty easily, they figure. I mean, he's 100 years old. We could probably take this on. He may have run into some, some places, but he keeps going. Whatever challenge came up in the three days to get there, he takes care of it. And we don't even hear about it. He just does it. We don't hear a complaint. We don't hear what he needed to, to overcome. Whatever came up on that three-day journey, he took care of it. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, the new donkey. If you're Isaac, his son, how many are saying, uh, we have a perfectly good donkey right here? And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. So Abraham takes the fire and the knife and Isaac takes the wood. The two of them went together. If you were here a few years ago, we, we tied that in. Jesus carried the wood of his cross. Isaac carried the wood of his burnt offering. And these two are very closely related here. Abraham is sacrificing his firstborn son, which is why God states, states it the way that he did. And God gave his firstborn son. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Now the old Abraham would have said, You know, I've been wanting to ask God that same question. The old Abraham would have, would have uh, said some things about his lack. But this one doesn't. This one speaks prophetically about things to come. Maybe he doesn't even realize. You get yourself in the place of faith and believe in God, you'd be surprised at the things that come out of your mouth. Before, he was always speaking doubt and unbelief. Doubting the promises of God. Seeing what he was lacking as far as what, was go- what God wanted to do. My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And he was satisfied with that answer. Abraham is satisfied with that answer. But that's a huge answer. I think I, I put this in your outline for you. If not, you may have just run out of room. But if we want to transition from being under circumstances to living above them, this is an example of how changing your thinking and speaking will do that. If you, want to, if you want to transition from being under circumstances to living above them, we all want to do that. You don't just get there by confessing. You don't just get there by saying, I am over. I am better. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the victim. You don't just get there doing that. You've got to follow with the pattern that Abraham did. And he overcame. And when people asked him questions, he didn't say, well, this is what God said, and I don't understand what God said. I don't understand how this is going to work. He doesn't, he doesn't do any of that. He just says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. 
And really, for what Abraham knows, the, the son that he's got right there, that's the, that's the lamb. That's the one we're going to do. But he is so convinced that what God has said is true through Isaac. That's what God has said. Through Isaac. Not another son to come. Through Isaac. This is what we're going to do. So he has determined, if God has called me to sacrifice Isaac, then God will raise him up again. He is completely at ease with that. That is a very different Abraham than what was there before. Now, if you want to make that transition from being under circumstances to living above them, part-time change will not cut it. Abraham had to become a full-time change person. He couldn't be talking faith outside, and when he got in home with his wife, talked doubt and unbelief. He had to get to the place where he was talking faith all the time and belief in what God had said. Verse 9, Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. I would love to know what conversation went on there. <laughs> and we are not told of any of it, but there had to have been some conversation as, I, as Isaac is getting bound up. I'm sure he's wanting to say, uh, Dad, what was that bit about God providing a lamb? It doesn't seem like I'm, I'm a lamb here. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Then Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Called him twice this time. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And we all know that this is what opened up the door for God to provide his son for us, because he was in covenant with Abraham, and Abraham was willing to give his son, his son of promise, to God. God already knows he was willing to do this. But he has him do this and go through all emotions with the life knife in the air. Because if anyone calls God on this, God can go back and say, see that? Abraham was willing to give me his only son. I am able, therefore, to give mine. So this was huge. This was a huge assignment. God needed him to be in faith. He needed that when he made this inquiry of him, he needed him to be responsive not only responsive and receptive to whatever God would say, but then once God said it, to be responsive to do it. And he did. Got up early. Went right after it. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Now, if you have a ram caught in the thicket by its horns, that would have been making a ruckus. Did he just suddenly get caught? Or had he been caught and Abraham's attention couldn't see, he wasn't seeing it? Maybe his eyes were blind to it. Maybe he was so focused on the work he was doing for God, he didn't even, didn't even notice it. But now all of a sudden he does. And he sees that there's this ram 
So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Now, of course, the prophetic word that Abraham said was, God will provide for himself a lamb. This is a ram. That means this is not it. The lamb is to come. A ram is not a lamb. But it's a sacrifice. And they made this sacrifice. And God himself would be the lamb that would come. And that's what opened up the door. This is a very important assignment. God needed him to be in a place where he was successful at this assignment. Which is why it took so long in the other aspects of having Isaac to be born. Because that faith needed to be in a place to support the call that was going to come with an Isaac. Many times I want to have the faith for an Isaac, but I haven't developed the faith to sustain an Isaac. Abraham needed the faith to sustain an Isaac. But see, we're, we're oftentimes looking at God and saying, God, I need, and we name our Isaac. I need this. And God is saying, you have the faith for an Isaac, but you don't have the faith to sustain an Isaac. Abraham needed to have the faith to sustain what was coming with Isaac. With Isaac came the promise. With Isaac came the blessing upon all nations. But Abraham had to support it. His faith needed to support it. Sarah's not involved. God spoke to Abraham. Abraham goes the next morning. Probably just says something to his wife. Hey, got to make a trip. We will be back. And that's all that he says. Because the one who needs to be in a place to sustain this is Abraham. He's the one who's been made ready. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said this day, to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. That's one of our names of God that we like. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn. Now here's where I think we don't have the other one. He probably said what? How do you get his attention? How's he got his attention so far? Abraham. So more than likely he says, Abraham. Probably not Abraham, Abraham. Because we don't have to suddenly stop anything. But Abraham. He probably says, Here I am. And then he says, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. God has been saying all along, this is what I'm going to make, this is what I'm going to give, this is what I'm going to do with you. He has been saying this all along. But this is what was needed to happen in order to bring all that about. If Abraham does not go through with this sacrifice, God is not able to bless him in such a way that all nations on the earth shall be blessed because of Abraham. 
But because of what Abraham does, God can send his son and all nations, even those that are not descendants of Abraham, receive the blessing because Jesus Christ was able to come into the world and do this. But if he does not get to this point, then what God has said would, would be stopped. See, God has done some things past tense. I have made, but he still needed Abraham to do some things present tense in order to bring that word to its fruition, future tense. There are things that God has said to us that are past tense realities, but he still needs us to do some things present tense in order to have the future blessing come upon us. But some Christians, they just want to hide behind the past tense. No, there's something that you need to do. There's an obedience that you're being called to do. There's something that God needs you to step into. Now, in this challenge, we're going to look at four things here. You've got to write them all out. I didn't give you any of them. In this challenge, there were, first of all, preparations to be made and needs to be supplied. That's the first one. Preparations to be made and needs to be supplied. This is the challenge. When God issued the instructions, Abraham had to make preparations. He had to make preparations for a trip. He had to make preparations on who was going to go on that trip. He had to make preparations on wood. Apparently, he brought his own fire, brought his own knife, all these things. Of course, he had to bring Isaac. He had to make preparations, and there were needs that had to be supplied. I got to bring some food. I got to figure out, God has told me to do this. Now, I need to figure out what do I need to get this done and go out there and get it. And he did. Just because God has called you to do something doesn't mean you don't need to go out there and get the things that are necessary. Sometimes we need to go out there and get the things that are necessary in order to accomplish that. God has given you a certain calling on your life. Are you making preparations to walk in that calling? Or are you just waiting for it to happen? Well, all right, God, is a, God said this. I acknowledge that I'm just waiting for it to happen. Abraham didn't wait for this to happen. He went out and made it happen. He got up early the next day. That was important. There's the second one. A long journey to complete and a destination to find. When he set out, he knew the area to go to, but God said, I'll show it to you. I'll show you that mountain. And maybe when it was a long way off, God says, that's the mountain right there. Oh, okay. You guys wait here. But he had a long destination. He had a long place to go. Sometimes, when God has called us to do something, there is still a journey. There's a journey to be completed and a destination to find. The third one, contrary emotions to overcome as well as people in opposition. God spoke this to him. Inside of Abraham, how many of y'all know there are some contrary emotions that are going on? His emotions wanted, I'm sure his emotions wanted to get involved. Wait, you want me to kill my son? You want me to kill my son and set him on fire? Huh. There are people that will 
possibly stop you, hinder you from accomplishing what it was. He needed to overcome these things. God didn't give him something special to just have his emotions go out of the way. He needed to overcome those emotions. He needed to believe God and overcome those emotions. This is a higher level. Here's a... So contrary emotions to overcome as well as people in opposition. Here's the fourth one. Unknown obstacles await and my faith needs to be ready for them, not preparing to be ready. Unknown obstacles await. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, whatever God has inquired of you and said, will you do this? There are some opposition, there are some obstacles, there's things in the way between me and that. And some people will find those oppositions. Well, I guess I, I tried to do it, but you saw what, was in, what I had to deal with, and I wasn't able to get that done, so I guess God must not have wanted it after all. No. Whatever obstacles came up on a three-day journey with a donkey and two other guys plus his son, Whatever, whatever obstacles came up, he needed to take care of them. And he did. God didn't give him any wisdom in that word that he spoke. This is how you take care of the, the things. He didn't tell him how to deal with any unsavory Philistines that may have been there along the way. He didn't do any of that. But Abraham overcame them. Now, some of these are displayed in Abraham's earlier life. But they're stronger here. Faith needs to be ready because failure in this level has a higher cost. It's a greater cost to have failure at this level. So here we have the two patterns. The two patterns seem to be aimed at revealing two characteristics. Here's the first one. Diligence in obedience. There needs to be diligence in obedience. We need to get to a place where I am diligent to obey. This is what Abraham had to do with, I will make you, I will give you. He had to become diligent to obey. God calls him to, to go to the land, he flees off to Egypt. That's not being diligent. Come on, Abraham. You ran into some problems, get on back there and face them. Get on back there and overcome them. He comes on back. Not because he wanted to, but because Egypt kicked him, kicked him out. He comes back into the land. So now we're, we're dealing with that. And then we had the problem with Lot. He wasn't supposed to have Lot with him. So now we dealt with that. And finally, he gets himself to be uh, obedient. And God says, I will make you, I will give you. How are you going to give me what I need? How are you going to make me what you say when I don't have a son? See, we're not having that faith. We're not having that diligence in obedience. I'm not believing the things that God has said. He had to get past this. It took him a long time to get past it. As far as we can tell, it took 25 years for him to get past this. Diligence and obedience. Here's the second one in the second area, the second pattern. The first pattern teaches you diligence and obedience. The second pattern, rising to the challenge. The ability to overcome hardship and difficulties in the pursuit of that challenge. 
There is a diligence and obedience in the first one. There is a rising to the challenge in the second. In the examples I see in Scripture, the imperfection or inadequacy stage of the first pattern is noticeably missing when you see this second pattern. Every time I saw that first pattern pop up in the Word where God spoke and when God spoke, it produced in them, He gave revelation and it produced in them an inadequacy. Constantly we see that. And yet every time I see this second pattern done, I never have found the inadequacy. Do you see anywhere in this story that Abraham feels that he is inadequate? Nope. Not at all. In the prophets in the, in the Old Testament, we had Isaiah, we have different ones, uh, Jeremiah, they felt inadequate in the first pattern. But when God, when they moved on and God gave them a word to speak, we don't see that they feel inadequate anymore. It seems when you get to this second level, the inadequacy part fades. It's gone. We don't see Abraham dealing with any inadequacy. But I'm sure he's feeling, or he could be feeling like there is, how can I kill my son? How am I going to accomplish what God wants to do if the son is no longer here? He could, he could come up with all kinds of stuff, but he doesn't do it. And when I find this pattern in other people, I don't see it there either. It seems that that stage of imperfection, inadequacy, is noticeably missing when you're in this second pattern. It seems its presence or absence by itself seems to indicate what stage it is. If we are not willing to be diligent in obedience, why would God pose a challenge to rise up to? If I cannot show that I will be diligent in obedience. Until we show the faith needed in, in the obedience stage, we will not be able to rise to the challenge stage. I am pretty sure that a whole lot of people, a whole lot of Christians, had a call in their life to rise up to a challenge stage, but never got past the obedience stage. And we're never ready. And God had to either find another or something to get done. Now, there's some other examples in the Word. I don't, but I, the Word doesn't show us this whole pattern, but I'll give you this one. David doesn't seem to hear an audible call to battle, but certainly the most, the most known challenge in the Bible is David facing Goliath. Did that have future implications for many areas? Did he just rise to a challenge? Or were there preparations that were made with David? Did he just rise to a challenge? Or were those who were prepared for it not ready to take, take it on, like Saul? We told you before, 40 days, that 40-day period, that was, that's uh, biblical, that that was the end of the time frame for Saul, who was supposed to have stepped forward, and he did not. 
And at the end of the 40 days is when David steps forward. God sent him in. And he gets there in the 40th day he, he goes. So, Saul was probably called upon, but he didn't do it. He didn't answer it. Because he had not demonstrated, he had, had not learned the faith in the obedience stage. That's where he fell, faltered. So much so that God said, I've rejected Saul from being king. So he could never rise up to the challenge stage. But more than likely, folks, when we see the full videotape on David's life, somewhere when he's out there taking care of the sheep, there's the obedience side and there's faith ex exercise, probably somehow involved with the bear, somehow probably involved with the lion, probably involved in some other areas as well. And here we come to the challenge stage. We don't have any words that God said, David, yes, sir? I want you to go and kill the Goliath. Yes, sir, we'll do that. We don't have any of that recorded in the Word of God, and I don't know that any of that happened. But it seems that David saw a challenge was here. And he said, if no one else will rise to the occasion, if none of these other people here that are prepared for it, and you use words like that, I will step forward. I will step forward and do it. And he did. Ezekiel, with the way out prophecies, stepped forward. Jeremiah, joining him with those unpopular words they had to speak to the children of Israel. Ezra and Nehemiah, they had to step up to a challenge to build the wall and build the temple despite the opposition that would come against them. There's other places in the Word of God you can find this challenge stage in. It didn't come to everybody. If we're not learning obedient faith, we will not be ready for challenge faith. And if we do find ourselves in a place to have been called on by God, if I find myself in a place and God could have called on me, but I didn't do what was necessary in the obedience stage and learn faith at that level, I won't have the faith I need in the challenge level. And I'll be useless to God in that stage. And I can't use you here. You did not develop the faith I needed you to develop. Some of this you can see with the life of Jesus when he's getting a little exasperated with the disciples. Where is your faith? Why is your faith not being developed? Why, is you, why are you not learning faith in the obedience level? Because everything the disciples did or didn't do was in the obedience side, not the challenge side. God said, Jesus said something to them and they went out and obeyed it. And sometimes they had faith for it and sometimes they didn't. It would seem that most Christians never arrive at a place to have been called on by God should he have needed them. It is better to be ready and not needed than needed and not ready to be called on. We've got to make sure that we're doing what we need to do in the obedience side. How long should we stay in that obedience? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But you want to make sure that when you're called upon, you can do it. Was Daniel's uh, time when he heard about the dream, was that a challenge stage? How about his buddies when they went into the fiery furnace? Was that a challenge stage? There's other times in the Word of God where this challenge stage seems to come up. 
But I wonder how many times did God have it planned, but no one ready to step up? No one ready to, to move out. Now, we've got at least one more week on this to accomplish everything that we need to do. And so um, we'll, we'll take this on. i got one more example to, uh, to have you see these, uh, these patterns in and see how they're developed. But no matter where we are in our life, if we're in the stage where we're learning obedient faith, and even that kind of a statement was made of Jesus, where he learned obedience, we, when we learn the faith that is necessary in obeying as God has said, when we learn that faith, then that faith can transfer over to the challenge faith, to that, that level, and we can be ready. God needs people that he can call upon. I think the story with David is, is, is masterful in that someone who was supposed to be ready was not, and God was able to step in with someone else. David was that, that person. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. As we go through our life, there are things that are coming against us, keeping us from obeying what we know to do. Your word has given us ways to live. And times we have found excuses to live differently. Your word has told us what your will is, what you want us to do, what is sin, what is not sin. And at times, we have gone a different way. We've made excuses. We haven't obeyed. But when we don't do that, we're not developing the kind of faith that you need us to have. For you need people on this earth that you can use. And the Word of God says that you look to and fro about the whole earth to see who you can use. Father, we want to be developed and to grow to understand the will of God better than we have. The book of Ephesians taught us we are to understand the will of God. We can do as Abraham did and ask questions for things we're not sure about. And just as you did with Abraham, you'll answer them. I thank you, Father, that you speak to us. So we look to you, look to be made ready, to be developed, to receive the things that you have. That we would be one of those that you can call upon on that day when a challenge arises. And you need someone to answer. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, any comments, any questions, or anything to add? Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. What's that? Oh, that one. I got you. C was contrary emotions to overcome as well as people in opposition. Contrary emotions to overcome. Inside of me, there's some contrary emotions to overcome, as well as people in opposition. You do whatever God tells you to do, and people will be mad at you. And they'll try and keep you from it. Jesus had people try to keep him from doing what God told him to do. 
Anything else? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that was a longer one. Unknown obstacles await. This is the letter D. Unknown obstacles await, and my faith needs to be ready for them. Not preparing to be. Unknown obstacles await, and my faith needs to be ready for them, not preparing to be. You get to this stage, this is not a stage of preparation. This is a stage of ready. David doesn't face Goliath and say, hey, let me go home and pray for an hour. Let me go home and fast. Let me go home and study the Word. He steps right out there and says, I'm ready now. And that's when it... it, it yeah, he, it needed to be ready now. When you're facing the fiery furnace, we don't have time to go home and get ready. When Daniel says they're, they're starting to, to kill the wise men. Why? Well, there's a dream. Tell the... Tell them I'll get it. Not go away and find out if God wants you to do this. He just makes a declaration. Well, God will reveal it to me. Just tell them to wait. I'll have it for them in the morning. <laughs> These are people who made preparation and when they were called upon, they were ready. This is a stage where we need to be ready. Not preparing to be. Yeah. Anything else that I think is clear? <laughs> 